this morning we have a word and God has really been revealing himself and God has really been showing out and we are excited about this word and we're going to go through some pages today and hopefully um, it won't be on the screen but you'll have to use your Bibles amen because we didn't know who all was going to be here to be able to to put it put the um, verses in but nevertheless uh, you are able, your scholars, you are able to find where we need to go. We're going to the book of St. Luke, chapter number 18. St. Luke, chapter number 18. We like to say good morning to our online community. We just thank and praise God for for your presence, for your listening in. And we we thank God that and and prayerfully that the word that we are receiving here in the house that you are taking this word and applying it. And today is, is a very unique word, amen, coming from the book of St. Luke, chapter number 18. Our, our subject for this morning, uh, it will be the courts of heaven, the courts of heaven. I, I pondered on a title, and I'm like, Lord, what, what, what am I supposed to say? I, I need something that, that can stick in, in people's minds. And, and so we, we often think about prayer and, and uh, I don't know about you all, but I've had some prayers that has not been answered. And I need to know and understand why uh, some have not been answered and then some that comes speedily, that comes speedily. Um, I think and praise God for our international, our praise team, uh, not only our praise team, but our intercessory prayer warriors. And really, not a war, we, we are warriors, but when it comes down to prayer, prayer is not warring. Uh, praise petitioning petitioning God and here we're going to look at and examine the fact how Christ uh, began to uh, expose what prayer is uh, uh, how we need to go about prayer and not only how we need to go about prayer but things that happens in in the in in the courtroom called prayer but we're talking about the courts of heaven father bless your word we thank you now in Jesus name amen Beginning in St. Luke chapter number 18. <clears throat> just want to teach this today because I want to make sure that we, we, we get it. And when I got it, I was, I was so excited. And then I discovered something in the scriptures that even made me even more excited. That really made me more excited and made me understand a lot of things that, that happens <clears throat> in our life and, and things that affect our prayer life or our I don't want to say prayer language, but beginning at verse number one in St. Luke chapter number 18. You know, when you go into a courtroom, you, you've got the prosecutor, you've got the, 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 uh, the defense lawyer, you've got the person that, that he's defending, you have the accuser, and you have the judge that sits on the bench. If we can think about that in, in the natural we will understand what God is, what Christ is teaching us here in the spirit realm. Amen. Verse number one says, and he spake a parable on, on, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. The first thing God understands is that sometimes in doing our time of praying and our prayer life, sometimes we lose heart. 
especially when our prayers have not been answered. When we continually pray about situations and it seems as if we're not getting an answer, you know, Christ says, don't lose heart. We should always pray. Don't, don't lose heart. And then the amazing thing here, he takes it from a, the point of telling us not to lose heart when we are praying, but he takes it directly into a, a courtroom setting. This is amazing. It takes us into a courtroom setting. In verse number 2 in, in St. Luke chapter 18, it says, saying, because he begins to, to, to expound on what he is saying to his people. He says, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. Now, you know, we do have those type of people nowadays. They, they have no fear of God. They don't respect God. And it doesn't matter. You know, he, he, he doesn't even respect man. So naturally we know that he will not respect God. He doesn't respect man. He doesn't respect God. So he says, he uses illustration. There's a, in the city, there was this judge, and he feared not God. Neither did he regard man. And verse 3 says, and there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary avenge me vindicate and bring to justice carry out justice i want you to to vindicate me because there was a situation going on and she could not get any justice and then she goes on and began to say avenge me or vindicate me of my adversary avenge me and vindicate me of my adversary we all know that satan is our adversary Sometimes we look at man and mankind and look at one another and we begin to think man is our adversary or man is our enemy. But he is not. But it's the spirit that's operating and is working behind the face of man is the one that we need to come up against and recognize who's operating. Amen. Now, I'm gonna, this is something I discovered and my studies, and that made me so exciting. Now, you keep your place in, in Luke chapter 18 because we're coming back there, okay? So understanding now, we're in a courtroom setting. Christ takes prayer to a courtroom setting. I mean, in other words, it's like justice, okay? You know, and then he talks about this water, and, and she's there. She's petitioning the court. Now, I want us to go to the book of Job chapter number 31. Because we want to deal with this, this, this adversary. Who is this, who is this adversary and what is his job and what is he doing? Job chapter number 31. Job chapter number 31. Job chapter number 31. Are we there? Talking about this adversary. And verse number 35. Verse 35 says, Oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me and, watch this, and that mine adversary has done what? He's written a book. The same way God has written a book about our lives, Satan also is keeping record. He says, he says here in, in the Word, he says that my adversary has written a book. I'm like, okay, why does Satan need to write a book? Why does he need to keep notes and keep records on us? 
You remember in a courtroom setting, you've got to have some evidence, right? <laughs> you've got to have some evidence. So the same way our, our lives are mapped out our, before the very foundation of the world, Satan is mapped. He's also recording everything that we do or do not do that's not applying to our life. He's writing the book. He is keeping record as well, okay? Remember now, we're in a courtroom setting. We're talking about the courts of heaven. Heaven has courts, has the courtrooms, okay? Now, let's go to Job chapter number one. Well, why is Satan, why is he keeping, the, why is he keeping record? Well, why, why, is he, why does he have a book? Why does the adversary have a, has a book that he has written or he's writing? Amen. Looking at Job chapter number one. Are we there? Job chapter number one, and we're going to look at verse number seven. Well, let, let's start with six. Verse six now, in, in Job chapter one, verse six says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now, verse 7 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Well, what is he doing? What is Satan doing? He's walking up and down. He's going to and fro. What, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? He's with, he's with the sons of God. He's, he's among, even now, he's among us. Why is this happening? What Satan is doing, when you talk about he's walking to and fro, he is collecting evidence. <laughs> he's collecting evidence against you and I. Amen. Every time he's, he's among the saints of God now, he, he, he's, he's collecting evidence. That's why he's got that book, because he is collecting evidence. He's going to and fro. Whatever we do, whatever we, whatever we do right, whatever we do wrong, mostly whatever we do wrong, he is writing it, he's recording it in the book. Okay? He's doing it in the book. I'm like, when I, when I read that about him writing that book, that, I mean, that literally blew my mind because out of all my years of preaching and teaching the Word of God, I never came across that scripture. And if I did, it did not register. So he said the adversary is, has, has, has written a book. He's writing things about our lives, the things that we are doing. Amen. He's doing it for a purpose. He is collecting evidence. Amen. So, so whenever our prayers are going up, bombarding heaven, Satan shows up with his book as well and telling God why he shouldn't answer our prayers. Amen. Some things are true and some things aren't true. Amen. But most of the time, some of these things are true in regards to our life because Satan's never going to write anything good about you. Amen. He's never going to write anything good about you. Now, let's go to the book of Revelations. It's going to travel a little bit. Revelations, uh, yeah, Revelations chapter number 12. Revelations chapter number 12. So why does he need this? Why, why does he need this evidence? Why is he gathering this evidence? Keep in mind the courtroom setting, the purpose of a courtroom setting. Now, Revelations chapter number 12, looking at verse number 9. Verse number 9 says, And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. 
he was cast out into the earth and his angels was cast out with him. Watch verse number 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the what? The accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So what he is doing, he's, he's the accuser. You remember in a courtroom setting, you always have somebody that's going to bring an accusation. So Satan is collecting evidence upon our lives. So when, when, when we go to the courts of heaven, then he wants to bring that evidence he's collected against us. Because the Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. Amen. He's the accuser. And I, I, okay, now I'm going to take your time. Brother. Let's go back to St. Luke chapter number 18. Okay. I'm trying to not get too overly excited. Amen. Luke. St. Luke chapter number 18. We're going back there for, for a moment because this is our base scripture. St. Luke chapter number 18. Now, you remember he talked about the lady. She's talking, she's talking to the judge and she says, I want you to vindicate me. I want you to re- render a verdict in my case. Okay? And then he says in, in verse number 4, he says, And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge or I will render a verdict, least by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjudged saith. He replies to her. See, there comes a time when, you know, he's, he's tired. The judge don't want to hear anything else she's saying because she, she's, she wants to be vindicated and she continually comes before the judge. We have to continually go before the judge, with the righteous judge, when we petition God in prayer. Now, then it says in verse number 7, and it says, And shall not God avenge his own elect? We are his elect which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. God is very long-suffering with us. And we cry before him day and night. But watch the, re- the reply here. He says in verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, he shall find faith on the earth. Shall he find faith on the earth? The word God is saying, when we petition the, the, uh, the courts of heaven, God will, he will hear us speedily. He will avenge us. He, he will vindicate whatever we're bringing before him. I had a situation this past couple of weeks, and as I began to study on this text, and God began to reveal to me about prayer being in a, in a courtroom setting. That's how prayer is. I began to think about, okay, God, if this is how it is, when heaven has courts and we petition God for, to prayer, I said, now, you said in your word that he will, uh, he will vindicate the, uh, the elect. He will avenge us speedily. In other words, he will do it real quick. So we had us, and, and I've got some witnesses about this. We had a, a request this week, last week. And some of the prayer warriors know, and we sent back a praise report. 
we, um, we had a call, and, and there was a young girl that was in a coma. Amen. She was in a coma. And uh, a few of us got together, and we began to bombard heaven for God to, to bring forth and to awaken her out of that situation. You know, her moms find her unconscious, okay? But it gets her, and she's in ICU, she's unconscious. She's in a coma. By, by the, by the, you know, the Bible says when two or three are coming together, touching and agreeing on the same thing, that which we ask of him, tell my God, he will bring that thing to pass. What happened was that afternoon we get a call back, and they said the young lady now was no longer in the coma. She had awakened out of the coma. So God says he will, he will uh, avenge us. He will render, render, render a verdict for us speedily. He, he will do that. And I'm like, okay, God, now I've got some things I've been praying for, and it just ain't happening. And God says to me, are you praying correctly? He said, you ain't got to spend a whole long, 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 long time in prayer. You know, you, I mean, sometimes it's, it's the moment of our belief. When we believe, God tells us now you know, that we're supposed to believe it. The moment we believe, he'll bring that thing to pass. We believe. We prayed and we, we prayed in faith. And then God, he, what he did was he awakened that young lady. And I, I'm sure by now she'll know that it was God that had done this thing. I, I believe that. No shadow of a doubt, I believe that. So I said, well, okay, God, help me to understand why some of me my prayers are not being answered. And he said, Brenda, you got to understand, you got a prosecutor over here. Somebody's trying to prosecute you. That you think about the courtroom setting. He said, they, they are doing all they can do. They're taking that evidence that Satan has gathered, and they're bringing that evidence against whatever you're doing. If you're praying to God and you want certain things, the first thing Satan does, he brings that evidence and tells God, this is why you don't need to answer that prayer. You remember he talks about, I don't want to go too far. The book, the book. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, he said he's writing in a book. Now, he will open that book of our life and see exactly how we've been following the plan that God has ordained in his book. See, God has a book also. Our lives has already been mapped out from the very beginning of the world. Before, the words, before, before this place came into existence called the world, even before we came into existence, our life was already mapped out. Our steps was already ordered. But the thing is, what Satan presents to God is this. Well, you know, they were supposed to do this. But this is what's going on, and here's the evidence against them. But I think I praise God for our advocate, who is Jesus Christ. Because, see, it's the blood shows up and says, I've covered all of that. <laughs> the blood of Jesus, he covers all of that. And so when Satan comes with his accusations, because we know that the, according to the word of God in the book of Revelations, the word of God says that he's an accuser of the brethren day and night. He never stops. He's got a book on us. He has written out. And I'm like, Lord, I knew you had a book, but I didn't know Satan had one too. 
according to his, your word. All right? Now, let, let's go. Let's go. Now, let's, let me continue reading. Okay. Let's go to the book of Zechariah. 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 Slow down, Brenda. Zechariah chapter number 3. Old Testament. Zechariah chapter number 3. Zechariah chapter number 3. Talking about the courts of heaven. If you can get this and you can, you can grasp it, that every time we go before God, every time we bombard heaven, that the enemy, he's there too. He's presenting stuff, okay? But we also got to remember that the blood is there and, and on our behalf, no matter what's going on in our life. Now, Zechariah chapter number 3. Here's, here's more that will validate what is going on in our lives. Amen. Zechariah chapter number 3. Looking at verse number four, okay? When he, when he looks at our dirtiness, watch what God does. See, sometimes we, 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 we get it in our minds that say that the only thing that the Lord sees is, is the things that we've done in, in the negative, the things that we've done wrong. We, Satan has put that in our mind. But watch Zechariah chapter number three, beginning at verse one. Are we there? Okay, it says, and he showed me Joshua. The high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing where at his right hand to resist him. Satan was right there. Here is Joshua, who's the high priest, and Satan is right there because he wants to point out all of our wrongdoings. Amen. He points, that's what, that's his job. He wants to point out all of our wrongdoings. It says that Satan is standing at his right hand to resist him. And verse 2 says, And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? See, we've been plucked out of the fire. We've been plucked out. See, it is through the power of God that we have been plucked out. See, Satan's job is to put us in a negative, show us in a negative sight. But then God says this in verse number 3. It says, now Joshua, watch this. Now Joshua was clothed with what kind of garments? Filthy garments. In other words, he was a hot mess. <laughs> He's a high priest. So he was clothed with filthy garments, and he stood before the angel. You know, God tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace, seeking mercy in a time of need. Even in our filth, even in, 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 in our dirtiness, God says, come boldly, seeking mercy in a time of need. We can go boldly to the throne of God. We can go boldly. Here he is now. He's his garments is filthy. In other words, his, his covering, his lifestyle, everything about him is filthy. And, but yet he stands there before the Lord. Can you imagine in that day, in that time, when that time comes, we're going to be standing before the judge, the righteous judge, in that heaven courtroom, and we're going to be standing there filthy. However, it's the blood of Jesus that's going to be covering us all at the same time. He stands there now, the Bible says, in a filthy garment. Have you ever been felt like, you know, you, you, don't, you, you felt like, God, I can't approach you 
because of my feel, because of my, anybody, can we be real in the house? Amen. Can, can we be real? God, I can't approach you because this is how I am and this is what I've been doing and I'm filthy. I'm unclean. But watch God. Watch, watch, watch the Father. Verse number four says, And he answered and he spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garment, hallelujah, from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity, which is sin, to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with change of raiment. Another God said, I'm going to make an exchange. <laughs> I'm making a change. I'm taking your filthy garment, and I'm putting on a clean garment. Even though Satan is right there accusing us, the Bible says day and night he's accusing. But God says, no, uh-uh. Jesus steps up on the scene. He's there too, the advocate. And nothing is showing except the blood. And Satan cannot stand the, the sight of the blood. But God himself, when he sees that blood, he knows that his son has died for you and I. He knows that. And so he says now, he says, Jesus says, listen, I have already paid the price. I've paid the penalty. Give them a, render them a verdict. Render them of a, a verdict. That they are no longer outside of my will, but they are inside of my will. Because it's the blood that has covered them. I shed my blood. I stood in their stead. God stood in our place. He allowed his son Jesus to stand in our place. Yes, we, we did deserve those things. But yet, God allowed. That's why he says, for God so loved the world. He didn't say God so loved the saints. He said, God so loved the world, amen, that he gave. See, when, when he died, when God gave up his son, he gave it for the entire world. I mean, I, I'm like, God, I thank you because he stood in my place. He stood in your place. And no matter what Satan says, he cannot win. He cannot win. That's why when you go into prayer, when you begin to bombard the courts of heaven, know that God says in his word, he's going to answer those prayers speedily. In other words, in a hurry. He's going to do that. So don't, don't go up there and say, oh, God, I, you know, I didn't mess up. He already knows we didn't mess up. He already knows that. But, but, but the, it's the blood that he sees, the blood that he sees. There's an exchange now. Now, let's go here to Daniel chapter number 7. Mm, we're almost done. Daniel, the book of Daniel. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The book of Daniel, chapter number 7. The book of Daniel, chapter number 7. Remember now, we're talking about the courts of heaven. We're talking about the prosecutor, the ones that defends us. We're talking about the accuser, the brother, and then we're talking about the supreme judge, <laughs> the righteous judge that's sitting on the bench. Watch this. Watch this in Daniel chapter number 7. Are we there? Old Testament. The book of Daniel chapter number 7. Verse number 9. Watch, watch. the. You know, you, know, you always have witnesses or you have a jury <laughs> in a courtroom. You have, you have a jury. Now, Daniel chapter 7, verse number 9 says, 
I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit. That's God sitting, the righteous judge, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels are burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Then it says, A thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were open. See, the righteous judge has books too. Now, you got the thousands of thousands. These, these are these angelic beings that's, that's, that's all around, these witnesses. And, and, and they are there, and, and, and they are right before the God. And they have taken their seat. They've taken their seat in the courtroom. You've you got witnesses, and, and you've got spectators. And, and they have sat right there in that courtroom waiting for the verdict of our lives. Because the Bible says there that the books with an S was open. Okay, God, well, I understand you say in the book of Job that Satan has been writing in the book. He's been collecting evidence on our lives. But God also has a book. He also has a book of our lives that has already been written. All right, now. Let's deal with these books. Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Psalms 139. The book of Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Talking about these books. Psalms 139. 139. See, what we don't understand is the fact that God knows us. He knows us. He knows us. And, then we, and we're going to deal with these books that he has opened, that he has, because he said the books with an S. Now, there's a book there for our, who's in the, um, the book of life, but then that other book is the, that book wherein we're supposed to be walking out what he has ordained for our lives before the very foundation of the world. Now, Psalms 139, Psalms 139, verse 1 says, O Lord, thou have searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsetting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. In other words, before we do what we do, God already knows it. Before what we're thinking, even before it shows up in our mind, he already knows he, all, he already knows. Amen. That's why we have to be careful with our thoughts. Amen. Because we can sit up, be sitting among people and we can have some crazy thoughts and we think nobody knows except us, right? But there is one that knows our thoughts. He says here in the Word of God, he says, Now, you knoweth our thoughts afar off. And then he says in verse 3, Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with how many of my ways? All of my ways. He knows all of our ways. He knows it all. And then he says, For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it 
all together. Every word that we have in our mouth, God already knows. Before we even released it. I woke up the other morning, and the word, I guess it was yesterday morning, that, was, that came from my lips, just the moment I, my, the moment I awakened, and the Lord says to me, and it came off my lip, there is nothing wasted in the kingdom. There is nothing wasted in the kingdom. So whether it's, whether it's a good or whether it's bad or if, if it's hardship or if it's a difficult times or even if it's great times, God says there is nothing wasted in the kingdom. Sometimes we feel like we, we, the, the, the difficult times we have or the things that we go through, or the hardships, we, we think that, oh, God, why in the world do you allow me to go through that? But God's word lets us know that all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. So if we didn't have bad in our life, if we didn't experience hardships in our life, we would not, have, we would not be building character because we need things to help us to build character amen it's a character building situation when we go through hardship because see when we go through hardship it makes us tougher it gives us strength it helps us to overcome the next hurdle if you never went through anything then how can you overcome the next hurdle and everybody's hardship is not the same some people's hardships is one thing, another person's hardship is another thing. Because one has not gone through what another person has gone through, that does not make them any less in the building process of character. Because God uses it all. And then going back to the scripture, he says, verse number 5 in Psalms 139, he said, Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid, down hand, laid thine hand upon me. Then he begins to say, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot, I cannot contain it. And then he says this before we get to the book, because everything is written out in the books. Now, verse 7 in Psalms 139, it says, Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? We cannot get away from the presence of God, nor can we get away from the Spirit of God. Even though sometimes we think that we can get away from the presence of God, God said, no. You know, David is writing. He said, now, where can I go? There's, Dr. Melanie should always have the saying, he said, God's going to get his man. We think we can get away. From the calling that God has upon our lives, we can't get away. We cannot get away because it's already been written in the book. I'm going to show you that. Help me remember, Holy Spirit. No, thank you, Holy Spirit. He said, you better do it now. If you don't, you're you're being forgotten. Amen. In the book of Jeremiah, we're going to keep our place there in Psalms 139. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 1, God says to Jeremiah that before he was even born, that he had already ordained him to be a prophet. Before he ever came out of his mother's womb, before he ever showed up, God said, I've already ordained you to be a prophet. So before you showed up here on this planet called Earth, God had already mapped out what your life is going to be. Most times, if we would just follow our passion, what is your passion? 
That is your purpose God has placed here for your life. What is your passion? What, what are those things that really troubles you in your spirit? I, when God says to me, and, and I thank and praise God for listening to the Holy Spirit, he said to me, he says, now, Brenda, he said, you need to start collecting, uh, um, uh, I call them stocking caps, toboggans. You need to start collecting toboggans and, and gloves for, for the homeless and give it to them on the streets. He, say, he says that. And I'm like, Lord, you sure you said that? Maybe y'all don't talk back to God, but I do. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, you sure you want me to do that? And as I was riding down the highway, and there was a sign at this elementary school that says October was Socktober month. In other words, they were collecting socks for the homeless. And I, and I said, now, Lord, this is in my mind, and I need to know that you actually said this. This is how I communicate with God, because I'm like, I, I need for you to confirm. I don't want to waste the time that you've given me, and I don't want to waste anything that's not written in the book that you said ordained for my life. And so when I get to this person's home, and, and, and my brother Norris, Deacon Norris, and we was there, you know, we came over and, and, and did some things here at the church, and and when I get there, he's, he gets in the car, he has on his, uh, his, his, his toboggan, and then he has these gloves in his hand. First thing he says is this, Brother Philip. I've been, I've been trying to find somebody who I can give these gloves to. Now, was that not a confirmation from God? I, it, talking about the courts of heaven. God will speedily answer your request. I'm going down the highway, and I'm like, it's not even five to ten minutes to get to his house from where I was from the school. I'm like, Lord, I need to know, do you really want me to do this thing? Do you really want the church to do this thing, to collect these things and give it to the homeless? And by the time I get to his house, and he was not in my car. Only God himself was in my car, and he says, I need to find somebody to give these gloves to. That's God. That was a confirmation from the Lord that we're supposed to be a blessing to those people. Listen, somebody said, well, they, they, they homeless, and, and, and you know, they, they choose to be there. Well, you, if you ever took the time to conversate with any of them, why are you living like this or why are you in this situation? Most of them are veterans on the streets whose mind is tore up from the war and they don't know how to cope because, see, what they've seen, they've seen, I mean, children being used as, as shields to, to, for, to protect themselves and, and they're having to shoot children and all kind of things they have to come home and they have to live with. And it's very difficult to live with those things. We do not know a person's story. The same way I don't know your story, you don't know my story. You just think you know my story. You don't know my story. You wasn't there when every tear dropped or when every smile came. You was not there. So you can't say you know my story. I don't know your story. But people go through so many things. People in life go through a whole lot of things. We don't know their story. Why do they go through this? Why do they? Take the time to ask. A lot of times the women have been raped. 
a lot of times the, the women has been, 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 been brought up in, a, in, in, in incest where, where family members and the fathers and uncles and all this stuff, whether, whether it be women or whether it be men, they've been molested at a very young age. And they have difficulties trying to handle that. I have a nephew who, who, was, who was, in, was in war. He was in war. Messed up. Messed up. Messed up. He began to share what he had gone through when he had to go see about getting disability because he didn't really want to do that. And he began to share with them to the point that the people that he was sharing his story with, even they began crying. How they used children as human shields and how they had to make a choice whether to stay alive themselves or go ahead and let the child be shot. And you got to come home with all this in your head. Thinking that you can live a normal life. Well, how do you handle that? How do you, how do you handle people right beside you getting killed? How do you handle that and come with, with, with a mind where your mind is clear? Had a young man, and they used to attend here, and they was in the military, and he said, when he was in New York, he said he was sitting on a bench with his best friend, and a man walked up and shot him in the head. And they were very young. They were early age, 17, 18 years old. And he said, well, I thought maybe if I went in the military, it would help me get away from the lifestyle I had found myself in because I wanted to forget he said, but when I go in the military, they're doing the same thing. I had a buddy right beside me in the trenches. Next thing I know, he's dead and I'm alive. How do you handle that? That you, you're the one that survived and the other one died. How do you handle that? So before we say or we, we decide about somebody's story, we need to ask them what their story is. And they began to pray, and began to pray. Now, now, we've got to get to back to this book, okay? Now, back in Psalms 139. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, verse 14, verse 14, it says, in Psalms 139, it says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous of thy works, and that my soul knows the right world. We need to understand that we've been wonderfully made. I don't care what Satan say at all. God says that I've been wonderfully made and I, I, I'm marvelous. He said, how marvelous are thy works. I mean, in God's eye, you know, he says we've been fearfully made. And he says that we have been wonderfully made. Watch verse 15. Verse 15 says, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously walked in the lowest parts of the earth. When we were made in secret, nobody saw us but God. Verse 16 says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book... All of my members were written, which in continuous was fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. In, in our unperfect state, before we came up out of the, the mother's womb, 
God says there was a book. The book, the book was there. He said all of our members was written in that book. Our, what we're supposed to be doing. Somebody said, well, I don't believe God would have me walking the way I'm walking if everything's been written in the book. This is the thing, the answer to that question. What's written in the book has been ordained by God. It is up to us whether or not we're going to walk out what's in the book. Amen. We have choices. Amen. We have choices. We can either walk out what God has ordained for our life or we can follow our flesh. There are books. He said, from the very beginning of time, our life, our destiny was already mapped out. The Word of God says the steps of a good man is ordered by the Lord. So the steps of a good man has already been ordered. There has already been mapped out the pathway we're supposed to take. But we always have an accuser that will begin to let us know and begin to go before God and begin to talk about what his book has. Because you remember when Job told me he had written a book, Satan, the adversary? So he brings up his book. When we go outside of the will of God, go outside what God has ordained for us and for our lives in the book, before the foundation of the world, then Satan shows up and he brings his book. He said, well, you know, you, you ordained and you ordered this for their life. But let me tell you, this is what they're doing. He's been keeping record, too. He's been keeping record. But one thing we know, we got an advocate. We've got a Savior who shed his blood. And he has a book. And he will allow us to reach our destination. Sometimes you wonder, God, am I really going to make it there or not? And then God says, yes. Jesus already paid the price. He has already paid the price. Remember when you're going before God in prayer, remember you've got an adversary there too. And everything he's collected about your life, <laughs> he's saying they, their prayers don't need to be answered. You see what they've done? God, you don't need to respond to them. You see what they've done? But then there's another book that says this is what their end is going to be. Satan doesn't have the last say-so. Amen. He doesn't have the last say-so. Now let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. 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 Because there comes a time when the books are going to be open. But Satan does not have the last say-so. He doesn't have the last say-so. Only God has the last say-so. So when when you're bombarding heaven with your prayer, go believing. Go trusting. Prayers is in a courtroom. We're not in war when we're in prayer. What we are, we're in a courtroom because Jesus presented a courtroom. Right after prayer, he knows that we're going to get weary. He knows that. But he says he will speedily take care and hear the prayers of the elect. That's what he would do. And I just thank and praise God that Satan.